This is the Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am your host, Shari Teigman, mindset coach and creative business strategist, and I am here to share with you the Mavericks of the world and pull the curtain back to teach you what it takes to have the mindset of a maverick. Hey, hey, Mavericks. Welcome back for another episode. Today, I bring you someone who has become a real friend to me, which is just incredible given who he is on paper. Today we've got NHL Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, World Cup junior champion, and expert in the field of relational trauma. We have my new friend, Theo Flory. So he's probably best known for his time on the ice, obviously, but off of the rink, his life once carried the markings of a troubled childhood, a lot of abuse, and coping with a lot of emotional pain through addictive and self-destructive behaviors. Today, he travels all over the world facilitating and speaking about uh, people finding their way, overcoming trauma and addiction. He's got two best-selling books, and he's an absolute powerhouse. And what I love about him most is his vulnerability to talk about what it's like to actually do the work of being a maverick, not just being an athlete, not just riding on the coattails of perceived success of society, but what it takes to strip back your life and created a new, probably in an even more powerful way than when he had medals and lots of cheering around him. So settle in, you're going to love him. Welcome back to another episode of Mavericks in Motion. I am Shari Tiegman, as you know, and I have this incredible guest who I'm very excited to speak to today. Um, You heard a bit about his bio, now you're going to actually get to meet the man behind the words. So welcome to the show, Theo. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I am um, a maverick myself, so which means I cannot follow anyone else's rules. Um, so what I will not do is what probably happens every time you're interviewed, go straight to your story, the book, the goal cast movie uh, video. We'll get mm. up to that. Right. But I wanna kind of go into the middle and then see where we go from who you are now. Because what I, I know um, that, I would assume, I shouldn't say I know, I would assume that most people label you, I'm an NHL player, I'm an Olympic medalist, I am a survivor, I am a Canadian, I am lots of the things. But I wanna hear from you what that maverick side of you is. Like when I say maverick, is it something you resonate with? Would you identify yourself as a maverick? as well as what does being a maverick mean when I, you know, kind of say, you know, I reached out to you, said, I've got this show, and you amazingly said, I'm in. So I want to know what the definition means to you, because I think it's different for everyone, and most of us wouldn't define ourselves that way. So it's a matter of how did life bring you here? Ah, geez. Intuitively, the first thing that came to my mind was the first one through the wall always gets bloody. Oh, spoken like a true hockey player. That's amazing. It's true. Do something outside the box. Story. And by telling my story, I really found the true purpose of why I was put on the earth. And, you know, that was to help as many people get to where they need to go. And whichever way you know that looks like and uh because 
you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, people have been sexually abused over and over and over and over again. And, um, you know, because the church made sex a bad thing, uh, you know, that's why we see, uh, you know, the preceding amount of time where people continue to sweep this under the rug. You know, we, we look at Penn State, the Boy Scouts of America, Hollywood, you know, I'm just waiting every day for the next scandal and the next story because, you know, the thing about lying is, you know, the lie has to last the rest of your life, but nine times out of 10, you know, you usually get caught, right? And, you know, that's what we're seeing now is years and years and years and years of cover up and all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, now we're seeing a whole bunch of very courageous people uh, who are saying, you know what, enough's enough. I can't live like this anymore. I can't carry this secret around. It's destroying my life. It's destroying my relationships. And, you know, and that was, you know, that was the way that I felt was that, uh, you know, I knew that I was better than what I was showing the world. And it was all because I was in emotional pain. And, you know, the one thing that I hadn't tried yet was to be honest wow. and to actually, you know, uh, put There's it out there. The world, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it out there and see, see what happens. And what happened was, you know, like I said, I found the purpose for my life. It's incredible. It's truly incredible. And I think one of the things that strikes me so much with your story, um, besides the obvious achievement, is that the achievement was created from the pain. So I think a lot of people will look at survivors of trauma, all different kinds, whether sexual, emotional, physical, um, as people who are cowering in a corner um, and creating problems for other people. But what actually happens, and you're a perfect example, is what you achieved on the outside was a reflection of you from the inside fighting that inner battle of I'm going to be more. And I understand, especially when it happens in sports, which is horrific, obviously, but it is to break you to be a better soldier, so to speak. Um, sure. and, and it's, you know, so the question is, would you take that all away to take your achievements away, but your skill is your skill and it came through pain. And that's the most heartbreaking part. And I'm curious if you would be willing to speak to, how you resonate and reconcile that in your mind of, well, my achievements are that. I am an Olympic medalist. I am, mm -hmm. I was on the best hockey teams, you know, on the planet. I was captain of the, of the Calgary Flames, but it was through my pain. So it's almost, you look at that and I don't even know if you can see the achievement that we see because you know where it came from. So I'm curious how you find a place for that in the midst of the truth telling. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I've come to the realization that there are gifts in pain and suffering if we're willing to go through them, right? Um, there's always a lesson that, you know, that needs to be learned through adversity and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, and you know what? The majority of my career took place in, you know, from 20 to 30, right? 
And what I've learned is that the male brain is not fully developed till we're at least 30. So, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of recollection of, you know, uh, all those achievements that I achieved. Um, but basically, you know, I spent my 20s just surviving. That was it, you know, uh, moment to moment, um, dealing with my emotional pain from my experiences as a child. Um, and hockey, the arena, was the only place where, you know, I felt that I belonged, right? Because I got, because everything that I didn't get as a child, as soon as I stepped in the arena, I got respect, I got love, I had friends, I had teammates, admiration, you know, all that stuff. When I left the rink, that's when I had the most difficult time because I didn't know who I was. And, um, you know, and then unpacking all of the trauma and realizing that, that, you know, I have a brain that doesn't produce enough dopamine and serotonin, okay? And because of that, that's the reason why when I left the arena, I didn't know who I was because I can't produce any more No, the rush dopamine. from the outside was gone, yeah. Yeah. So then I discovered this wonderful white powdered substance called cocaine, which is pure dopamine, right? And, and that's how I managed to, you know, live somewhat of a half-assed normal existence until I figured out what my uh, trauma truly was and then unpacking the trauma, taking a look at it, reframing it, reprogramming it, rewiring it so that I could go on to have a healthy, happy, productive life, right? But I would say the majority of people don't have the kind of access, you know, that I have had to these amazing people who have helped me and worked with me to, you know, unpack all of this trauma history and make sense of it and go, okay, I get it. This is my life. This is the plan. This is the way it was supposed to go. And so, you know, with all that being said, now I understand and I'm, and I'm okay. Right. You know, and I often say to people, you know, and this is funny because I get the weirdest looks from people is uh, I go, you know, I, I'm in therapy for the rest of my life and I'm completely okay with that. And people are like, what do you mean? You know, well, how come you're not taking that magic pill that big pharma promises you that, you know, here's some th synthetic brain chemistry and good luck with that. Right? You'll be no. fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be yeah. numb. It's fine. Oh, this one's not working. Oh, okay, well, here's a booster yeah. on top of that one. You know what I mean? I've been through all that. It's just the most insane thing that you could possibly go through. Where does this bravery come from? Does it come from what you've survived or does it come from who you are? You may not know the answer to that. I'm curious what your, along your journey, as you said, you're always gonna be evolving and unpacking this. Where do you mm -hmm. think the ability to face this stuff? Because I can imagine, I'm not sure at what age 
you finally opened this up, but I assume it was the Coke, the team, all of that. And then you said, okay, it's time to get off of this crazy train. Yeah. As petrifying as it is to say, that is probably much more scary than the trauma you had been through because it's that moment with that sliding door moment of who, who do I actually want to be rather than who does everyone else think I am? And many people, like you said, will never touch that in a million years because you didn't have a bad front persona that people would love to hide behind. You know, it wasn't, you weren't homeless on the floor and then had to right. go to help. Everything was incredible. Well, I, I, was on, I was on my way to being homeless. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, you know what? I, I think the bravery is DNA stuff, right? And, um, you know, I, so I, I did a program in Canada called All Our Relations. And it, it was, so I'm an Aboriginal person, okay? And these people who did this program uh, tracked down all of my ancestry uh, right back to, you know, day one. And what they discovered, they discovered this guy named Patrice Fleury, okay? He's a Métis guy. So he's French and Indigenous, okay? And so there was this guy who... who uh, fought for Métis rights because Métis people are half and half, right? We call ourselves half-breeds. So we don't know if we're Indigenous or if we're white, okay? And no one includes this, you because you're only half of one. <laughs> exactly. And so there was this guy named Louis Riel who became our champion for, you know, he went to school and he was smart. He was a lawyer. He was resilient. And he was this really tough guy. And so my great, 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 great uncle Patrice was uh, one of his right hand men. Okay. And so in 1850 something, there was this battle that they had with the British army, the Métis and the, and the British had this battle because the British wanted our land. And my great uncle uh, was the guy who orchestrated uh, and trapped them into this certain area, and uh, we slaughtered the British. And so, you know, I think that all of those, you know, strands of DNA that I have inside of me, and the Métis people were incredibly resilient and, and uh, you know, hardworking and all these things. And so, you know, I... I really believe that all that just came from, you know, those blood memories. You got uh, warrior. That we you. Have. Yeah. That, that, you know, that are unexplainable because, you know, we just don't run into people who talk about DNA or, you know, um, you know, or, or whatever. And, you know, a great example of that is uh, I got to speak at the very first ever PTSD conference held in Canada, okay? And it was in St. John, Newfoundland, and it was put on by the military. Wow. But there was a lady, there was a lady that spoke, and she's from New York, and her name is Rachel Yehuda, and she is like the epigenetics queen of the world, okay? And so she talked about, she did a study 
with the Holocaust survivors. And I'm a, it's funny you say that. I was going to say epigenetics. I'm a grandchild of Holocaust survivors, and it is epigenetically autoimmune yeah. stuff. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we may think that uh, what's happening to, to us is in the present, but actually, you know, it's like seven generations of this little strand of DNA that gets keep gets keep uh, passed down from generation to generation. So, you know, I had all that yeah. as well, right? Yeah. You know, and so sometimes we don't fully understand why we do the things no, that we, we do. We get so but... frustrated that we can't just positive affirmation it out of us. Or why can't we just push through? Yeah. It's, you know, it's not yeah. about using it as an excuse. It's about using it as a tool to be able yeah. to find out the deeper level of, no, if I wake up at 5 a.m. and journal all day, it isn't just going to all be fine. <laughs> well, I always go back to that famous scene in Goodwill Hunting at the end of the movie when, you know, Robin Williams says to Will, wasn't your fault, wasn't your fault, wasn't your fault, wasn't your fault. And, you know, then we see Will break down, cry for the first time in his life. And then what happens in the next scene? He goes and gets the job and he goes and gets the girl because Freedom. he feels Freedom. good enough, yeah. right? He yeah. feels good enough. And a lot of us who have had horrible things happen to us, we take responsibility and take it on when, you know, the freedom part is, you know what? It really wasn't my fault, you know? And the more that I unpacked my trauma history, the more I realized there wasn't one thing I could have changed about my life to make it any different. Yeah. So, so let's use all of this stuff that happened to us. You know, I, I call it, you know, taking chicken shit and turning it into chicken salad. Right. And, and, you know, just go with it because those experiences make us resilient, make us strong, make us wise, resilient, all these, you know, amazing things. And then we can take all this knowledge and use it to help other people. Amen to all of that. You know, it's a very humbling experience. And I think a lot of us who work in the motivational personal development space have to stay very humble to the fact that we have our own journeys to go on because you know, I've been on my journey, I now teach it and all of that. It's very easy to stay in other people's pain than to remember we have our own pain to continually unpack. And I agree with you that I think it, it is an always journey. It is an always, I think we're in therapy, whether we're in a therapist's office or not. If we are not yeah. growing, yeah. we're in big trouble because that new belief will lock in anyway. We'll be stuck in that stage. Yeah, it's called relationship. Exactly. Right? <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, right? Yeah. Everything you don't want to see yeah. will be right in front of you and all the people you choose. Yeah. In your eyes, I see myself exactly. as. Right? And I'm running oh. for my life. Yeah. I'll just blame you and you can blame me and it'll be all fine, right? This is a massive topic, but if we set you up on paper, you would be, I have two teenage boys, you are alpha male, you are a hockey player, you are achiever, you are all the things little boys want to achieve when they go out with their first hockey stick or they go out with their thing. Was there a part, I mean, in, in, a, in you know, the way the universe works in general, you reached a point where there was no more choice for you. 
But what, what has there been any point, especially when the book came out and men especially really struggle with this vulnerability, truth telling thing, unfortunately, because society has no fucking space for it. Um, right. How was that to step out of the athlete mentality and the athlete label to be a, a human being, be someone who went through such horrific trauma and see step off that pedestal to walk on the ground where you finally got a chance to be comfortable outside of a physical ring, which was your safe bubble. So there's so much there, even on your own journey, before you were willing to share it with other people. So how did that play out for you mentally, if you even remember, because I'm sure it was a bit of a, a mix, but that's another element to overcome. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's nothing glamorous about being a professional athlete, okay? except for the paycheck that's about it um you know but it's a very high testosterone ego driven world right and uh a lot of people who see me now or hear me speak will approach me after a speaking engagement and go oh my god you were such a fucking asshole when I met you the first time, right? And they go, what happened to you? And I'm like, well, I stopped playing hockey, you know? And I, and I, and I figured out that this isn't about ego, right? This is about vulnerability, compassion, empathy, you know, all these um, things but I had to learn those things well you have to right? unlearn those things first <laughs> yeah. you have to have you the know. space for it and you know when you when you hit rock bottom there's nothing about ego at rock bottom <laughs> you know none of those that armor work anymore yep you know you are naked and you know you have to go find some clothes to put on that you've never worn before. And, and, and so, you know, it's a very humbling experience, but it's, but it's also an incredible experience to discover who you truly are and who you really, you know, want to be. And, but, you know, I love you that you use the word vulnerability because that, that is the key to all of this you know, is when we're vulnerable, that vulnerability creates safety, okay? And then when you have safety, that's when the magic of healing happens. And that was my experience telling my story was, you know, I told my story and then I got completely run over, like run over by people everywhere I went. You know, book signing, speaking engagements, uh, whatever. People would say, "Hey, I saw your, I read your book, or I saw your documentary, or I saw an interview, or I heard it, heard an interview, or read an interview," and they said, "You know, I, I'm a me too." Right? Had you ever anticipated that being what would come from this, or was this really as part of your healing? It was more selfish than anything else it was like okay i'm gonna put this all on paper i'm gonna take one last look at it put it in its rightful place but the universe has a 
wonderful sense of humor, right? Yes, I always say, God should totally quit his day job and do stand-up comedy, because this yeah. is... <laughs> yeah, you know, because it was like, it was like, wow, okay. I, by me finding my own voice, by me putting a voice to my pain and suffering, I can help other people. And, uh, and because of you who know, you are, so many who wouldn't listen to someone else would listen right. to you. Yeah, for sure. Big voice and, and those, you know, those winning experiences that I had, you know, gave me sort of a platform and a place. But, you know, I didn't want to be the poster child for sexual abuse. But, you know, that's the way it turned out. And I had to accept it and, uh, you know, try to... Um, do the best that I could with it. And, uh, and what's happened is, you know, we, all of us who, you know, have found our voice and, and are now in a position of helping people, um, you know, and, and, you know, what's, what's hilarious about all of this is that, you know, is that I often laugh at my, laugh to myself and think, you know, here I was just, you know, hockey player and you know had all this success and then looking for something to do post-career and what happens I get plunked in the middle of the biggest epidemic on the planet <laughs> you know? You know how busy you were gonna be huh <laughs> that. and you know that was 10 years ago right and you know we haven't stopped you know like how many people have a 10-year speaking career <laughs> you know what I mean? The topic didn't stay so relevant. I'm sure on this, yeah. you'd love to be yesterday's darling, right? And find something but else when, to do. But when you break, but when you break it down, there's so many subsections to all of this stuff that, you know, you know, I'll be doing this till, you know, I'm old, 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 you know, because, uh, you know, there's less well, than. You also get to be the living legacy of the after effect because so many people don't know the after effects or there's the initial PTSD conversation. There's obviously the me too and sexual trauma conversation, but there isn't the afterlife conversation. There isn't the new life conversation or the relearning how to be a human being in a very scary, very um, world where you have to be very defensive is is a very interesting what i love is you get to live that now and show it in what you're doing because i think there's a discrepancy for people and i'd love if you'd speak to this because you were theo the hockey player you were theo the olympic then then you're the theo the the sexual trauma survivor and the speaker but who does theo get to be the rest of the time like in between that you don't want to always be living in your past so as you said you continue to unpack it but you have to live in what you speak every day so much of what you've been through. So that, that has to be challenging for you in your own growth and, and recovery because you never yeah, get to uh, step away from it. You don't get to go to the bank and nobody knows. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it does take its toll. There's no question. Um, you know, but what's funny is, is, uh, you know, for the last two years, you know, physically, um, you know, because I played a physical sport and I've probably had more physical trauma 
Interesting. Then I've had emotional trauma, right? So I, so I set out on this journey and I'm working on spirituality. I'm working on the mind, you know, and totally neglect the body. Well, for the last two years, my body's been like, what are you doing? What's you also know? really interesting is body mind is so connected. As you release yeah. some of the emotional trauma, your body also remembers it. So both the physicality support you played as well as who you had to be to hold it yeah. all together. It's not surprising, but it's probably, I'm sure it's exhausting if your body's like, oh, hey, he's dealing with this stuff. I'm going to bring it all up. Remember this niggle, remember this pain, you know, we hold it in ourselves. Wow. For sure. So, you know, I, and you know, you can't go to a doctor and explain to him that, hey, you know what? I have some, uh, I have some stored trauma. Right. It's in my left hip, but I think it comes from my right shoulder. Yeah, exactly. And, and how do I, uh, you know, is there something that you can give me for that? And they kind of look at you like. <laughs> is there a physical therapist who deals with this? I mean, yes, yeah. somatic healing, but not in the doctor's office. And but it's not going to come I up found, on the next day. Yeah. What I found is, you know, I found all of these healers on my journey, like all kinds of really cool stuff, you know, like medicine men, yeah. you know, intuitive energy workers, you know all these people out there. And I was like, wow, this is like really cool. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's just been a certain amount of willingness, right. To do whatever it takes to. And really mean that not whatever it takes within the confines of what I'm willing to let be. Well, it's about, you know, it's about walking the walk. It's not about talking. It's about walking the walk, right? And, you know, we have the, this great saying in 12-step. It's the law of attraction, not promotion, <laughs> right? And so you can talk all you want, but if you're not actually taking action, then you're full of shit. You're not, you know? a, yes, you're full of shit. Not only that, your brain and your soul stop listening to you because they know you're never going to do what yeah. you say. So it sends a mixed misaligned message to your brain and your body and your action taking your self-belief falls even further because like, don't bother saying it. You get us all revved up. We get excited. It's, you know, the boy who cried wolf at this point, like let us know when you're actually going to yeah. do something and maybe we'll listen. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the law of attraction is people who seen you at your worst and now see you where you're at, right? And, you know, I often get comments like, man, you look great. Like, what are you doing? Right? And then that invites the conversation, right? But if you're out preaching all the time, and you're 300 pounds, right? People aren't gonna listen. No, nope. right? and you know, people are always looking, unfortunately, from their own pain for an excuse and a reason why it can't be for them. 
why they can't release this, why they can't be open and vulnerable. So the fact that you are so open and honest and you do walk your talk um, really gives them permission to say, okay, I can, because he is. Rather than he's up on a pedestal, he's up on a stage and I'm down here and I can never have that because of X, Y, Z, or he's not even real because of X, Y, Z. And well, we always want it out. Right. <laughs> well, we've been programmed to be. Till we fall down the hole, we're like, okay, now I really need out. Now yeah. I'm ready. Well, we've also been programmed that, you know, we're instant gratification junkies, right? There are. You know? And what I tell people is, you know, this journey is hard. And it's hard work. And, you know, thank God that I do have some work ethic that, you know, comes from, you know, being successful, uh, which allows me to, you know, continue to move forward every day in the best way that I know how. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, resent that fact, right? Or they make those comments, you know, where they see me on stage and go, uh, it's not attainable. Well, there's no such word in the English vocabulary. Impossible. It's only possible, right? Depending on how hard you want to work. Yeah. If you don't want to work, you're not going to get results. True. If you want to work, um, you know, the results will come and you need to learn patience you know, which I had zero when I started on this journey because, you know, um, I always, or I programmed myself or, or whatever that whether I was happy, sad, mad, or glad, I knew it was a feeling and I knew how to make it away, make go away. Just go get all fucked up. Mm -hmm. Right. Go drink, Easy do pick. some drugs, you know, find a girl, right. All that stuff was, you know, was a part of it. And you know, what I tell people is you got to take your old toolbox, you got to empty it, and you got to get a new toolbox. And you, you have know? to leave it empty for a while. That's the other thing yeah. that people struggle sure, with the most is the space making is the hardest part for people. Yeah. Yeah. So question, all those how, has the, um, how has the sports world, whether NHL, Olympics, all, you know, whichever, what you've been involved in a lot, how have they responded to what you've come out with and how well you're doing with it? Has it, has there been a backlash at all? Has there been an acceptance? Probably a mix of all of it, I guess, depending on who. Yeah, I think, you know, certain people have accepted it. Other people haven't, you know, but, you know, that's, I would say my closest teammates have been incredibly supportive. Nice to hear. Um, I would say, the suits, not so much. Put it back know. in the box. Maybe you don't know. talk about it so publicly. Because, you know, they, they don't want to acknowledge that. They don't have any room to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they, or they, just, they just don't have the skills or they don't have the, you know, the wherewithal, right? And, uh, but, you know, that's their shit, not mine. Yeah. This is a very heavy cross to bear, the responsibility to come out in the world and be
be able to be this okay all of the time. So where in your own life, just as Theo, without all the labels and letters and all that, you know, books and all that stuff, where does fear sit for you? Where does the exhaustion of this fit, fit for you? And also the responsibilities of, is a big cross. And sometimes people like us, the reason we're brought, like you said, to this earth is to do this work but it's a lot even on our own, let alone with everyone else watching. So how do you manage your own self-care and your own self-awareness within the larger echoing world you now live in with this? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you're easily trained by the sports world from that, but you've always, you know, your very Truman show at this point mm -hmm. in your life is everyone can always see every hiccup. Yeah. Well, there's no more sucking up for me. Good. Right. You know, uh, I know when I'm uncomfortable. I know when I'm in trouble, uh, you know, and, you know, I'll book an appointment with my therapist or I'll do some breathing exercise or I'll throw on a meditation tape or I'll call people, you know, um, and I think the thing that I had to learn the most is I can't attach any emotion to any of the stuff that's coming in my direction. Because I can't help, right, in the way that, you know, I necessarily want to, right? Because I always said I was in Al-Anon first before I was in Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow, okay. because, because I grew up in an alcoholic home, which automatically puts me in Al-Anon. So I'm codependent. And I'm a fixer, right? So when I first started out on this journey, that's who I was. I was codependent and a fixer. And so all these stories started coming to me and I started getting involved. Oh, you're like flypaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and about, I don't know, a couple of years into the process, I got burnt out. Right. And, I, and then I almost started drinking again and using again and all that stuff. And I was like, whoa, okay, time out. So I took a break, went back into therapy, got some more tools and, you know, uh, got a different perspective and, uh, and then went back out on the road and, you know, it was just way, way easier to just not attach yeah. any emotion. I can have empathy. I can have compassion. I can have all those things because that's what I need when people approach me. Right. And that's why people approach me is because I am vulnerable, because I have compassion yes. and because I have empathy. But the only thing I can do is listen. And honestly, Theo, that's probably all they need because they don't even have that. So, you know, yeah. I'm very similar to you. Uh, the, the, the empath in me will pull everyone else's stuff, but I can't carry, I can carry it for them. I can't fix it for them. And then we yeah. both sink really realistically. Absolutely. I have to learn yeah. that in my practice as well is, I was drowning, everyone else felt better. I was drowning under it. And I said, wait a second, this is not a good model to live by. This isn't going to work. So when yeah. people come to you and I mean, your story is very extreme, unfortunately. Do you ever hear people make the excuses of, well, mine isn't as bad as yours and my, you know, well, you had it worse and mine was only little, you know, that gray area where they're not, <laughs> I, I would say that as a yes from your nod. <laughs> well, we live in this more than, less than world, right? Yeah. You know? And we love 
to compare our shit with other people's shit, right? Because it makes our shit seem less. Well, let me tell you something about emotional pain. My emotional pain and your emotional pain are exactly the same. There is no difference, right? And no two people have the exact same chemistry. So you can't compare yourself. It's like comparing apples to oranges, right? And I often say, if I have to compare my life to your life to make myself feel better, I'm sick and I need help, right? And it's not about comparing. It's about, it's about getting to the truth, right? Getting to the truth, unpacking all the trauma, and go on and have a healthy, happy, productive life. That's what it's about. It's not about comparing. It's not about what kind of car you drive. Nobody wants to win the gold medal on this, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I always say in my audiences, uh, especially corporate, he who has the most toys when he dies, dies. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? More shit and for family about, to fight over. <laughs> yeah. And it's about, did I leave this a better place than when I came into it? Did I leave it better? Right? That's what it's about. And, you know, don't be afraid to, to share your story. Right? Don't be afraid to put a voice to your pain and suffering. Because in my experience, that's the only way out. Right? It's not a pill. You know, it's not some magic yoga class or you know, going to spend 10 months on the side of a mountain with a Buddhist, you know, guy. It's about using your voice. That's why God gave us voices was to use them and to, you know, talk about what happened to us. And it's your story. And you get to tell it whatever way you want because it's your story. It's not anybody else's story. It's your story. But you get to tell it whatever way you want. Amen. And when you find the people that want to listen and not give you advice, hang on to those people because those are the people that you want to be with, is the people that listen, the people that have compassion and empathy and vulnerability and all these amazing qualities. Because if you look at the world, where we're at today, there is none of that. None. It's all about power and control. Yeah. You know, it's all about power and control. It's not about the greater good, right? It's not about the greater good, you know? And it's unfortunate that, you know, I have never in my life seen as many traumatized leaders that are running the world as we see it now. And if you take a look at their uh, history, their childhood history, it's filled with trauma. And, and so how do they lead? They lead with ego, right? And when you lead with ego, nobody's going to follow you. Yeah. But if you lead with empathy and compassion, people will follow you to the ends of the earth. Right. And so, you know, unfortunately, we don't have those leaders 
that have that empathy and compassion that we need so desperately because, you know, there's so much trauma in the world. There's so much trauma in the world, you know, and we see it every day, every day. And, uh, you know, and it's, you know, that's why trauma, mental health, and uh, I hate the word addiction because it's got so much shame attached to it. So I've changed the word addiction to emotional pain management. That's what addiction it. is. That's exactly what it is because people don't realize it's a crutch. No one intends to get addicted to it. They just need a new self-soothing experience. Yeah. I have a big word for yeah, well, you, and I'm really curious what your take is on it. It's a big one. Where does forgiveness sit for you in all of this? Self-forgiveness, letting go. It's, it's obviously more self-forgiveness rather than forgiving the people who did this to you. But like you said, you're here for a reason, and your mission has now shifted. But you know, when we hold on to that anger and pain inside, as you know from your recovery, that'll break you more than anything. You know, we always say, drinking the poison someone you know drinking the poison you're giving to someone else so how do you where do you find this in your unbelievable story i can't believe you asked me that question uh-uh it's the most important question <laughs> and it's something that i strongly believe is at the very top of the list you know is that we have to get there some way somehow somewhere because to me, freedom is, or forgiveness is 100% freedom, right? And it's funny how many people get triggered in my audiences when I talk about forgiveness, right? Because they have not even thought for one second that Forgiveness is like the biggest relief and the biggest gift, you know, you can give yourself, right? And it was funny because five years ago, I set an intention that I wanted to go work in the prison system, okay? With the baddest dudes on the planet. And, uh, and so that wish came true and I've been working in the prison system for five years no had no idea why I said it I was just curious and in those five years I've learned the two biggest lessons that I needed to learn from these guys that I work with these guys that are in prison is they taught me compassion first compassion first and secondly they taught me forgiveness and that's why, you know, why I was, went into the prison system is, you know, they're not bad people. And if you, and you know, I always say, the only thing that's different between you and I is I didn't get caught, okay? But the thing we have in common is their trauma histories are this high and my trauma history is this high, okay? And that's, that's the commonality. But when you look, look at their trauma histories, it's just abuse, abuse, abuse after abuse. Like it's just like 50 layers 
of abuse. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it why you're, why you're here, right? And a lot of them say, this is the only place I feel safe. I don't feel safe out there, right? And, and when they're that honest, you know, like, it's heartbreaking. It just, it just breeds compassion into you, right? And then, you know, I work with sex offenders. Mm. And, you know, listening to them talk, you know, it's just like, okay, like, you know, I, I totally get it. Like, I, I, I get it. And so, you know, it helped me to, you know, get to that word, forgiveness, right? Or self-compassion, right? They're both the same. And, uh, and I'm actually writing a book right now. My next book is all about forgiveness. Oh, I, nobody talks about I didn't even know that. I didn't even plant that one. It's just such a big, you know, we yeah. do all the work and then we hit up against that boulder of forgiveness and you're like self-included. You're like, eh, is there any way I could skip that one because I need yeah. them to stay wrong for me to heal mm -hmm. this. And that's not actually how forgiveness works. No, you can't dodge that one because you're eventually going to get there. Right, you're eventually going to get to that place, right? Depending on you know how hard you're working at whatever it is, but you know, yeah, it's interesting that you know you because I get asked to do thousands of podcasts, right? And uh, you know. I loved your enthusiasm. I, I enjoyed the email. And here we are at, you know, the same place, you know. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. There I don't no believe in coincidences. So, yes, thank you. No coincidences in the world. But I really believe that, you know, forgiveness is, you know, where we all need to get to, right? You know? And for most and I often say, the scariest pillar, it really is. And I often said to myself, you know what? When I'm laying on my deathbed and my kids are standing around me and, you know, and all that, I don't, I don't ever want to have these, you know, deathbed confessions, right? I want to get it all out there right now so that I can go on, you know, for the next whatever it is 40 or 45 years that I've left or after I told my story um that I don't have to live with this shit anymore carrying it's the carrying yeah. which is yeah. so exhausting it's just yeah. exhausting and you know that last piece that forgiveness piece and I can't wait to read the book is so much about being okay with that who you were then is enough for then and you can let it go right, wrong, or indifferent and be who else you want to be without it having to define you. And that it's just human beings have such a problem with their own identity that they have to grip onto even the pain just so they don't feel lost, which is heartbreaking and well, counterintuitive. When I wrote the second book, Conversations with a Rattlesnake, I wrote it with a neuroscientist and how your brain's affected from trauma and then how you can go back and rewire all that trauma. But as we were writing the book, I discovered something about 
trauma and what trauma teaches us, okay? Trauma teaches us four things that become the core of our belief system, okay? So the first thing that trauma teaches us is abandonment and neglect, okay? So no matter what relationship we're in, we always think that that person is going to leave us, okay? Second thing, and the world has a whole lot of this. I'm not good enough, okay? And even to this day, I will pick up the not good enough sign and hold it over my head all the time. Third thing, I'm not lovable, okay? And then the fourth thing, which is our Oxycontin users, our fentanyl users, and our people that kill themselves, is do I even exist in the world, right? So that's the rewiring, is you got to rewire those four things, because that's what trauma teaches us. Well, how do you rewire them? Well, everything we talked about. Compassion, empathy, forgiveness, self-love, self-care, you know, that's how you rewire. Vulnerability and truth-telling. That's yeah. the only way through. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and community, right? Find a community of people that are all talking about this stuff and, you know, Velcro yourself to somebody for as long as it takes, right? Because... Yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, a lot of people will ask, I'm sure they ask you, they ask me all the time when they're first starting on their journey, how am I supposed to know what to do? I only know what to do that I've done over and over and over again. I want to stop repeating it, but the trauma's in my way, and it's the only vision that I have. It's the only glasses that I wear. Mm -hmm. So I actually did a podcast interview with an amazing um, guy. You would love him. His name is uh, Rock Thomas. He's Canadian as well. Um, uh very traumatic childhood, moved on, amazing motivational speaker, real estate mogul, great guy. And he said what he does is he doesn't pretend, he always stays a learner. He doesn't pretend he knows everything. He's yeah. keeps the humility of find someone to model, model the mentor, and then master it for yourself. So it's not, we're not handed these tools. We don't know everything you just listed out. Uh, we're born with the self-compassion and then we lose it. We're born with the natural self-care and awareness and we lose it. So we're not just going to pick it up like a pen and know what to do. You have to find the community, find someone who has done the road you want, model what they do even before you understand it, and then the layers start to fall off. Then you master it for yourself. It's not about being a mini Theo, being a mini Shari. It's not that. It's just start on the road and then your answers come to you, but not when sitting still and not when sitting in a pile of shit. It just there's no way for the, it to permeate. It won't come in otherwise because you're sitting like this waiting to be proved. And we've done it. I'm a stubborn New Yorker. Trust me. Yeah. I always yeah. say I'm my most stubborn client. <clears throat> I can help anyone if I can deal with what goes on between you know these two ears here. And that's where the work is, is to but, find out what you want, find out what it looks like and walk towards it and then get the directions. But a lot of us go into relationships like this. At least, exactly. Right? You know what I mean? But if you go in like this, right? It's it's that fight. So when you go in like this, and if you get hurt, at least you know you went in like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that's part of relationship is 
You know, that's why I say, you know, I'm an expert in relational trauma. And people are like, what the hell is relational trauma? I go, well, that's where our trauma happens in relationships, right? You know, and, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is learned behaviors, right? So you got to unlearn the behaviors and learn new behaviors is what you're, you know, basically talking about. And so, yeah, you know. This isn't rocket science, you know? People wish it were, so then they would have a reason to not be able to do it. <laughs> For sure, because, you know, they think it's so complicated to go on a, uh, a journey of healing. Well, no, it's, it's one word, willingness. That's it, right? How much willingness do I have? Or, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know, to heal. And, you know, whatever that looks like, right? We don't get to set the course. I mean, I can imagine when you first started on this road, had anyone showed you in a crystal ball where you'd be now, you would have looked at them like they were crazy. You're like, dude, I'm just trying not to die. That's all I got. That's a big one. Yeah. One day at a time. Exactly. Right? One day at a time, trying to live in the present. You are absolutely fabulous. This is, thank you. How many people in New York... (laughs) see walking down the street drones not even there like they're not even there no not even there and it's funny because i walk down the unicorn that i am you know looking at everyone feeling everyone's energy like go home i need a nap yeah yeah (laughs) because you can like i've been around trauma for 10 years i can see it now right i can see it i can feel it it's just Yeah. yeah it's crazy amazing Thank you. This is, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. I'm definitely having you back on again when the next book comes out. Um, so we're going to move into our quick fire maverick round. Okay. I always feel like a game show host. Um, I'm going to throw out a word and you are going to tell me a lesson you've learned, a philosophy you have on it, or something you're maybe working on yourself currently. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start with self because it always starts with self. A little uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it's about relationship, right? Uh, I always ran away from myself. And now I am living in the present, having a relationship with me, right? And I often say to people, if, if, uh, if you don't love yourself, guess what? I mean, you can't be in a relationship with someone else and love them, you know? So I've been married three times, right? You know, and it's uh, it's such a great feeling because I could never be alone, right? Now I look forward to it. You know, I enjoy it. It's it's the best. Beautiful. Next up, we've got relationships. <laughs> ah! Oh boy, it yeah, gets are... easier after these two. I promise. Well, like I said, if your own house is in order. I think all of the relationships in your life will be the same. I agree. I say you have to clean up your side of the street first and then worry about everybody else's. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I often say to people who, you know, say negative things, whether that's on social media or whatever, I say, okay, you can judge me. Okay. But I get to come over to your house and I get to open up your closet and see what's in there. And I go, I guarantee you, 
there's stuff in there. So before that you probably judge, mirrors exactly yeah. what they're having an issue with. <laughs> before you judge me, make sure yep. that your side of the street is clean, right? But I know that 9.9 .9 out of 10, their closet isn't clean, which is which is which is okay because yep. they just haven't found, you know, their own path. But uh, but yeah, relationship is. And to me, relationship is spirituality. Mm. It's what it is. It's not religion. You know, it's not the white bearded guy in the sky. Relationship is true spirituality because, you know, we weren't put on this earth to suffer in silence. We were put on this earth to be in a relationship with one another and help each other, you know? And you know, so many of us want to just isolate and turn ourselves off from the world, but, you know, it's relationship that's going to get us through. And the most important one is with self. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize that until like, I don't know, four years ago. <laughs> like last week. It just hit me like <laughs> <a ton of laughs> you know, was like, it was like, you know, the Buddhists have been doing it for years, you know, centuries. And I figured it out four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Has to belong to you. That's the thing is, you know, we can try on everyone else's stuff, but until we're re ready to wear it and ready to embody it, it just sits on the surface, which helps. But yeah. again, creates that misalignment until it really, until the penny truly drops. Yeah, for sure. The next up we have- That light bulb goes on. Absolutely. Next up we have business. Business, geez, I don't know. I've given up on business. <laughs> four, four out of five ain't bad. Yeah, you know, um, it's a, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. Business, tough, tough to do. You know, um, you know, I don't know how many times on this journey of, uh, you know, because basically I've been chasing money ever since I left the game, right? If the phone doesn't ring, I don't get paid, right. you know? And uh, so I've had to have a lot of faith, you know? It's humbling, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've been uncomfortable, but, you know, I have to trust in the universe that, you know, okay, you put me here, now you better fucking take care of me. I'm now, doing my part, you gotta do your part. You know, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we've really found a really cool niche, uh, here in Canada and, uh, you know, I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories and, and, uh, and so it's really not work, you know, it's more, um, you know, it's like a higher power. It really is. You were on thing. a mission. You were yeah. on a mission. Yeah. You know, and, uh. But, you know, I get to meet people like you who are, you know, aligned. And that's, uh, I think that's the coolest part is collecting. Magical, isn't it? With technology and the right fits, it's just fascinating. Well, it's, it's about collecting people. That's all it is, you know. And, uh, and of course, relationship, you know, collecting people in relationship. And, and uh, you know, we all have a story to tell. And, 
you know, the goal is to get all 7 billion people to one day tell their story, right? You know, because I believe that's the beginning of healing. Beautiful. Right? It's the beginning of healing. And then what you do after you find your voice is, you know, there's so many things you can do to heal. So many things, you know. I think I've exhausted every option. You never know. <laughs> you know? Careful what you put out there. Like, universe will be like, well, we got another one for you, Theo. But, you know, that's, that's the cool thing is that, <clears throat> you know, I'm willing to try anything, yeah. you know. And I've learned so much because of having that attitude, right? Is there's no blockage, right? There's no resistance. There's only, you know, and I'm the kind of guy I'll dive in with both feet you know i don't care you know and it's funny these therapists that i go and see these different kinds of therapists they're just like you know like what's wrong with you right how are you not resistant (laughs) you're like dude i'm a hockey player come on if i was scared to get in the ring we wouldn't have gotten very far right (laughs) i go you know my trauma history i go i've been to hell and back Right. You know, and when, it's a very different thing when you're empowered to be the one to put yourself in the position than to be disempowered. I, I know with trauma people that I work with, they are more brave because it's on their terms for the first time. Yeah, yeah. and we've got resilience built into us, hardwired into us, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, bring it on. Exactly, which is, which is a beautiful uh, after effect we'll take, you know, for people who can embody that. So the next we have well-being, which is really interesting. We were talking about before about how your body has reacted after you spent mm-hmm. so much time on the emotional, your body wants to turn. Yeah. 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 I think that's what it's all about. You know, that crazy saying, body, mind, and spirit. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, I've neglected my body and now it's telling me, hey, it's time to, to deal with it. And I can tell you, it's not been a quick process with the body stuff. It's like, you know, this is frustrating. It's, you know, but, but I've learned to be patient because, you know, like I said, I've had so much trauma, you know, emotional and physical trauma that, you know, I have the rest of my life to deal with this stuff. Right. And, and, and what's when I live in the moment, that I'm in less pain. Absolutely. Isn't it amazing? Wow. So, so your body was trained from such a young age to disassociate and to lift off. Yeah. Your greatest challenge is staying inside your body rather than leaving it, which is. Well, and when you take away all of your old coping mechanisms. Yeah. You know, that's why we wrote a chapter in, in uh, conversations with a rattlesnake called sitting in your shit. Right. And right now, or for the last two years, I have been sitting in my shit, you know, but what I realized was that it's part of the process. Because sitting in and probably part of the process you were not ready for until now, <laughs> far yeah. along when you thought you were there is mm-hmm. when your body was ready to trust you to listen to yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like I said, you know, so many of us are uncomfortable in our feelings that we don't want to sit in our shit. But if we can sit in our shit and deal with it, we'll never have to deal with it again. 
Absolutely. It's like it's a, a one-time thing, right? That we'll never have to, you know, get on that trauma loop that we live in, you know, for the majority of our lives. You know, we just get on that hamster wheel and we just go because we're like, we don't, we're in pain. We're suffering. We'll sit in it, sit in it, understand it, love it, respect it, enjoy it. And at the end of it, something really cool is going to happen. Is that you're never going to have to deal with that ever again in the history of your life, right? That's what sitting in your proverbial crap is, is it's part of the process of healing that people, people don't want to do that, right? They don't trust it. They don't trust they'll get back up. But by holding them, then they hold themselves underwater. That's, that's the ironic part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you're drowning yourself when there's no need to. Last one is, and I'm really excited to hear your answer for this one, creativity slash curiosity. Essential. It has to be essential to this journey. Because if you're not curious, I don't know. You're just going to, I don't know. Curiosity killed the cat. Well, it hasn't killed me yet. Freed the humans. Exactly. And creativity is is huge part of, of my life, you know? Like I, uh, what was it? Seven or eight years ago, I sat down and I wrote a country music album. You're kidding me. Yeah, it's on iTunes and, and Spotify. The album's on Spotify and, and uh, you know, because I grew up around country music my whole entire life. My family's incredibly musical. And, uh, you know, when I was playing in the NHL, I always made sure I had a karaoke machine in my house because I, I always sang. I sang as a kid. And, and uh, you know, Calgary, where I live, is a big country town, right? And so there's lots of country bars. And so in my drinking days, I would hang out at the country bars and I'd get up with the, you know, the local band and sing a couple songs and all that. And, and so when I retired from hockey, you know, it was always something sort of on the bucket list was first, I just wanted to write one song. And so I wrote this song and, uh, you know, it turned out like really good. And then I just kept going back and, you know, we kept writing more songs and more songs and more songs. And so, you know, we wrote like 30 songs for the album, picked the 10 best songs and, you know, put this in an album. I got a band together and, and, uh, you know, we do probably a dozen shows a year. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, explore, explore your creativity because it, you know, it's that drug that we need, you know, is expression and, you know, especially, through the trauma expression is the first thing that goes because you can't speak you can't feel you can't anything so what a freedom to have wow well and and what happens when we're traumatized as kids is our spirit leaves our bodies because they can't even handle that amount of pain and suffering and so the creativity part is going and finding that spirit and bringing it back so that it can live 
you know, in one's body. And so that music part was a piece that, you know, my fondest memories as a child were sitting beside my grandpa, listening to him play the fiddle. That's gorgeous. You know? And, and so, you know, my childhood wasn't, you know, wasn't great, but there are moments in my childhood that I remember that I need to hold on to and capture and keep, you know? And so the music, you know, has always been, you know, the thing that when I'm having the worst days, you know, as I, I, I put that music on and it, it takes me to a different place, right? It also, you know, it uses such a different part of the brain. Yeah. That it's, it is a soothing thing to step out of that logical thinking, traumatized loop mm-hmm. to then go to some place, even within yourself, that just soothes you somehow, whether yeah. it's smell, taste, sound, you know, all our senses engaged. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm left-handed, so. Ah. Or left-handed or, you know. True creative. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you for hours. This is just Thank you, thank you for the honor, for sharing, for being so brave and so vulnerable to change the conversation, to step out of what people want it to look like and make it what it truly is and give people the freedom to find out what's possible. Um, Can you tell us where people could find out about you, the books, social media, website, anything you'd like to share? For sure. So our website is theoflurry.life. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Theoflurry14, Instagram at Theoflurry14. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a fan page and then I have a personal page um, on LinkedIn as well. So I'm out there. I'm available. Jeez, uh, I'm on the road 200 days of the year. I speak at least once a week, sometimes two times a week. And you go everywhere? everywhere we go anywhere and everywhere amazing and uh yeah so thank you for this amazing opportunity oh thank Um, you it's been an honor it's been awesome to you know it's always great when people are aligned you know and um you know that's probably been the, the the coolest thing for me was you know, I felt for many years that I was the only person in the world that was experiencing what I was experiencing. And then, you know, I found my voice, talked about my pain and suffering. And then, you know, I've just been collecting people for the last, you know, 10 years. What do you do? I'm a people curator. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, this has been, it's been awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Mavericks in Motion podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to head over to subscribe and leave a review for us. And if you want to know how to capture your own Maverick, head to sharryteekman.com and grab a $1 14-day trial in our membership, Maverick Life Unleashed. See you in the next show.